I hope you've enjoyed the Follow Me series. I think it's been a really good series. The feedback we've had through the series has been uh, uh, very positive. Uh, and I hope I serve us well by landing it today. Um, and before I get into it, just to let you know, I had the privilege of visiting Lambeth Palace. I wrote about this on my uh, blog, uh, which I write each week to in, kind of connect with you, keep you aware of things going on. Deb and I were invited by Nikki Gumble, who leads HTB, to an event. There are about 30 uh, leaders and their wives there from around the UK. It was a kind of senior leadership gathering from within um, uh, different church streams. Uh, so uh, in the evening, Deb uh, sat next to Pastor Agu. That was her kind of, who leads Jesus House, fantastic leader. You've probably heard of him. So that really helped Pastor Agu. Deb was just bringing wisdom in, into his life as he, as, he, as he plants 700 churches across the UK. I was sitting next to Pippa Gumble. Uh, so it was really a huge privilege to be there. And uh, we prayed for the nation. It was fantastic to pray for the nation from different streams. And then on the uh, Friday, that was on Thursday, on the Friday morning at 8 a.m., we were at Lambeth Palace, right opposite Westminster. I've never been there before. And we went into the chapel. That's a picture of Deb and I after morning prayers with the Archbishop, Justin Welby. I had the privilege of meeting him, just greeting him and saying that really praying for him, that the New Frontiers family that I was representing as well as a part of my new role, uh, kind of bringing some leadership in the UK. And we did it Anglican style. So uh, uh, I was sitting opposite each other in a chapel and uh, reciting the verses back and taking it in turns on each side. It was quite challenging. Uh, it was a very different sort of style of worship. But you did sense a kind of the occasion and that you were standing or praying in the context of history. Uh, and they got a prison in Lambeth Palace. Fortunately, I wasn't putting it, but uh, that, that's uh, the visit, a visit to the palace. So let's pray for Justin Welby. He's a godly man. He's got a massive job to lead the Anglican uh, family communion around the world. And you sense the pressure on him. You know, whatever he says publicly, you would have... I, I read with interest, you know, he said recently about he doubted God. Of course, a media pickup on it. So everything he says is just under huge scrutiny. And it's got to lead the Anglican Communion through the General Synod around the whole issue of uh, sexuality in next year. It's, it's, it's big. It's challenging. I felt for him. And it, it put my challenges... If you ever meet someone, you think, man, I thought I was under pressure. So it's just like, it helped me in a funny kind of way. Um, but I would, I would ask you to pray for him. And I would ask you to pray for me. I've just taken on a new leadership role within the New, Fran new Frontiers family of churches. Some 300 churches in the UK. Uh, you know, there are a number of things that are heading my way that weren't four weeks ago. And uh, this last week, I've just been gathered with... Uh, some key leaders, about five of us represented our family of churches around the world, some 1,500 churches, and just talking about the future of New Frontiers. What does it mean to be New Frontiers going forward? So you feel a huge privilege to be in the room, and then a, a bit, it's a bit worrying, actually, that you're in the room, because you know yourself better than you know me, and I know myself better than you know me, and it's just like, oh, my dear, we are in trouble here. So pray for me, please, that God would uh, uh, use me. Uh, to serve his purposes. So anyway, follow me. I hope you've enjoyed this series. I think this has been a really important series. Uh, I feel I've got a, a word for us as we land it today. And I'm going to speak out of 
Mark chapter 8. So if you've got your Bible, you can turn to Mark chapter 8, but it will come on the screen. Uh, so we started this series in uh, the beginning of the gospel uh, with uh, Jesus declaring the kingdom of God is near, come follow me. And now we, he uses the same phrase, but with different meaning. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you are the Christ. And Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man, that's Jesus, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. And he spoke plainly about this. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the things of God but the things of men. And then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And whoever wants to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, then the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory and with the holy angels. I have felt from the beginning of this series that God spoke to me that this was a really important series for us as a church. Uh, I don't say that lightly. I think all teaching series are, imp- are important. But this seemed for me have a particular kind of prophetic weight, you know, that God was in it and on it. And uh, I wrote the series, c- came to the team, and it didn't go down very well. I don't think they were very gracious. I didn't present it very well. And we looked at it once and we looked at it again. We, in fact, had one of those meetings. Have you ever had those? We had a two-hour meeting around this series. And at the end of it, they said to me, Steve, why don't you just go away and think about it a bit more? <laughs> and so I did overnight. And then I wrote a redraft. So I want to thank the team for serving us so well as we grappled with how do we put this Follow Me series uh, together. We started with... Uh, teaching on there's a new kingdom and there's a new king in town. And as Jesus declares the kingdom, he, he calls to people, follow me. And we're going to land today with these verses. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I want to give some introductory comments. In fact, the introductory comments are most of the message, I think in explaining why I believe this is such an important series for us, in conclusion. It is firstly, well, it's been a series, the Follow Me series has been about making Jesus central. You can't go far wrong with that, can you? If actually, as a church and as a disciple, we continue to put Jesus central in our lives. That's what the teaching has done. Week in, week out, we've looked at subjects, 
which are, are hopefully are, are relevant, challenging in the culture we live. And we've just sort of said, let's kind of center on Jesus. Let's, let's keep coming back to what Jesus says, rather than maybe what our culture says or our flesh says. We say, come on, let's be Jesus-centered. Um, sometimes we sing songs in worship. And I don't know about you, there are certain songs I like. I sing them. I like the melody. I think sort of everyone gets into it, uh, and sometimes I don't even realize the words I'm singing. So I thought I'd just quote this song, and we're, we're going to sing it later together. But just listen to the words. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you Jesus, Jesus. Nothing else matters. Nothing in this world will do. Jesus, you're the center. Everything revolves around you. Jesus, you, at the center of it all. From my heart to the heavens, Jesus, be the center. It's all about you. Yes, it's all about you. It's a great song, but the words, oh man, if you sing it and you believe it, you're declaring that Jesus really is your king. He really is your Lord. And you're centering everything around him. And that's the type of church we're trying to build. Not a bolt-on Jesus lifestyle, but a centered lifestyle. A, a lifestyle where Jesus is like, he's like the compass, he's the sat-nav, he, he's just, he's directing our every step. So it's been a, an important series for that alone. It's also been an important series, well, the Follow Me series has been important because it's laid a right foundation. Whatever you build, however build, uh, how strong it is, is dependent on the foundations. And if you want to build a life that is Jesus-centered, then you've got to have the right foundations. So that when the winds and the troubles of life come along, you are, you are rooted, you are grounded, you've got a good foundation. And this is, uh, in that sense, been a really important series for us because it, you could argue that some of the things we looked at, particularly up front in the series, uh, are really critical for being a disciple as we go forward. If you remember, we looked at the kingdom and Jesus is king. We looked at whether are we following the Bible or are we following culture? And then we said, is Jesus just Savior or is he Jesus Savior and Lord? Question mark. That's how we started. As I was uh, preparing for this message, I dipped into an old favorite of mine, written by another Anglican, uh, an Anglican bishop called David Watson. Um, if you're my age or older, you would have heard of David Watson. He was a, a pioneering leader in the 70s and 80s and really was very influential in renewal and uh, work within uh, God's work within the body of Christ in the UK that we now live in the benefit of. And he wrote this classic book called Discipleship. And he's got a chapter on it about the cost of being a disciple, which is what I was kind of looking into out of the passage of denying ourselves and picking up our cross. And I discovered this quote. It's the type of quote as a preacher you dream of discovering, especially if you discover it quickly. <laughs> so you haven't got to read 30 books. So, But... It was a quote that I felt summarized the first three messages of the series so well. 
And I want to read it to you. And as I read it to you, what I'd like you to look out for is the word king and kingdom. I'd like you to look out for the word saviour and lord. And I'd like you to look out for the word word, as in the Bible word. Yeah? Okay. Let's read it. So David Watson says, At the name of Jesus, every knee must bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. There can be no half measures with Christ. If you want to be his disciples, we must take his supreme authority as Lord over every part of our life, without any exception. If you're not willing for him to be Lord, he cannot be our saviour. With Jesus, it is all or nothing. To be in the kingdom of God is to accept Jesus as king. And if Jesus is king, his word has authority and must be obeyed. I thought that was a great quote to summarize what we taught right up front. There's a new king in town. There's, he displays his new manifesto. The reign of God is coming. It's not just about kicking out the Romans. It's about establishing a new order on the planet that ultimately will go to the Gentiles and through generations. And it's King Jesus. And this reign is not dependent on land. It's dependent on hearts. There's a new king and there's a kingdom coming and he wants to be the king of your life. Uh, and then... Actually, what we've got to do is we've got a culture which is increasingly secular and actually is drifting away from values that are core to the Christian, Orthodox Christian faith. And so we have to navigate through this. And then we have to apply his kingship and his lordship in our life by choosing to come under the authority of Scripture rather than that maybe our own flesh or what our world we live in wants. That's what that I felt that. That quote summarized well, and that's why it's so foundational, because as we're going forward, that is critical, because as a church, we teach the Bible, we endeavor to teach the Bible and say, apply it to our lives. Why else has this series been important? Well, follow me, it's been about being a disciple. Now, to be a disciple of Jesus, you can go, we've done this through a very missional lens, you can do it through a pastoral lens, which is to be a disciple of Jesus, you need to do these things. You need to read your Bible. You need to kind of pray, you need to serve, you need to give, you need to be in community, getting in a group. And uh, one of my great delights uh, this morning as I came in as one of our very uh, senior, kind of been in the church many years, leads a group, faithfully led a group for years, said this has been one of the best group discussions we've ever had. It's been easy, there's just been loads to discuss. This represents people who are really core to the church, are so encouraged and so you can, you can talk about discipleship like that. We've taken a lens that we've wanted to endeavor to equip you to be a disciple of Christ in the world that you live in day by day. In the workplace, uh, at the school gate, um, at the school you go to. And uh, we've addressed key discipleship issues around some of the major themes that our culture is throwing up against us and actually challenging uh, the Christian faith. So I think uh, Phil's outstanding message on the whole issue of same-sex attraction was just superb. I thought last week Hillary's message on uh, honouring the elderly and some of the challenges that that our culture's facing with dementia and just how we honour those with age, um, where we live in this kind of youth-obsessed culture. It's all about looks. That's why I always say to a guy when he's marrying a girl... 
It's great if she looks good, but just check the mother-in-law because, you know, this is the future, yeah? It's just the future, okay? I mean, it's just, it's just true because, believe me, I don't look as good as I used to, you know? It's all downhill, you know? I ache, I've got grey hair, you know... Uh, you know, most men, you know, are very happy with their one-pack rather than their six-pack and all this kind of thing. So, you know, look for character, yeah? But we have this sort of youth-obsessed culture where actually we should honor age and those that have experience of life. So that was an important... I felt the message I spoke, uh, uh, and Deb helped me on one, about marriage and being uh, single, and this really important thing that within the church that... We want to say that before God, whether you're single or married, your status before God is the same, and actually in the church it's the same. Yeah, because sometimes churches can drift into, well, if you're married, that's real. Well, no, you are, uh, uh, it's equal, it's an equal playing field. Those were some of the things that we've uh, uh, looked in together. And then lastly, um, the Follow Me series has provided us to teach, yes, very relevant discipleship issues, but also to, uh, through the teaching, model how we approach church life here at King's. This is so important. I could, I could, I could talk about this. Probably this is a message in itself. Uh, on my Twitter feed that I, I put up each day, some thoughts just to encourage people. Just the last couple of weeks, I put this up. At King's... We aim to take people on a journey, accepting them at their own starting point and inviting them to come on a journey of discovery. That is our approach to sharing Jesus with people. At King's, we aim to take people on a journey, accepting them at their own starting point and inviting them to come on a journey of discovery. You could summarize this by saying, everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome. The first thing we want people to experience at King's is the love of God and the acceptance of God. That's why we do Big Red Box, because we just want to be a blessing. We want to help our community be a blessing uh, to the wider community by just giving food at Christmas. It's a way of expressing God's love. That's why it's such a fantastic uh, project. I'll put in my notes here, in fact, the more you're in sin, the more welcome you are. Yeah? Now, religious people struggle with that. Okay? But I want to suggest to you, this is Jesus' star. It's not just our approach to church life. I want to suggest this is Jesus' star. And a couple of illustrations from the gospel. So, Zacchaeus. You know the famous story about Zacchaeus. I mean, Zacchaeus is a tax collector. I mean, but you've got to understand, not that many people are fans of tax collectors in our own culture. I mean, in New Testament times, being a tax collector was like, I mean, you were hated and despised because you were working for the occupying forces and you were taking money from God's people to give to the Romans. And what Zacchaeus had done, he was a chief tax collector, which means he was operating a nice little pyramid system. And not only was he getting tax off God's people to give to the Romans, he was just taking a little bit of interest, just putting a little bit in his pocket. So he was a very rich and wealthy man, and people knew what he was, and they hated him. And then he heard Jesus was coming to town. And so he picks up his tunic, and he runs to see Jesus, and he gets up in a tree, because he's only a small guy, we won't hold that against him. And uh, he's there, and Jesus does a shocking thing. 
The parables in the Gospels are there to shock. And he does a shocking thing and he calls Zacchaeus by his name and he says, I'm coming to your home for dinner, for lunch. Now in an honour and shame culture, for an honoured guest to go to your house is like amazing. That gives you huge honour. And so it's shocking. And the Pharisees and the, and the people there are shocked. They say, I cannot believe this Jesus guy. He keeps hanging out with sinners and someone like Zacchaeus, and he goes and he has a meal with Zacchaeus. I mean, it's outrageous. I mean, we're sitting here, we're not, we're not feeling that outrageous. I mean, it is shocking what Jesus does. Now, we know the story that then Zacchaeus says, today salvation has come to this household. And then he returns his money and up to four times. What religious people want is they want to go to someone like Zacchaeus and go, you should return your money. <laughs> you have stolen. You stealer. Jesus doesn't. Jesus says, I want to come to have a meal with you. He accepts Zacchaeus at his starting point. The woman caught in adultery in John 8 is another example of this. See, You know, under the law, she used to be stoned to death. And so they're just about to kill this woman. And Jesus turns up and he says this. He says to them, he says, is any one of you without sin? And they go, oh, oh, oh." okay. Well, if you're without sin, you throw the first stone. Any one of you without sin? No, we're not. We've all fallen short. And we could, you know, you want to, if you want to grade sins, no, 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 no. We all fall short. We've all mucked up. And Jesus says to us, is any one of you without sin? You throw the first stone. No. Which is why at Kings, our approach is that we do not want to be stone throwers. Okay? We don't want to throw stones at people. Okay? Everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome where you are on the journey. That is why our tone is so important. You know, that tone is so important when you're talking with someone. You can say the same thing, but how you say it is so so important. That means at King's, whether you're like Zacchaeus and you're a tax collector, uh, or you're caught in adultery, or you're recovering from an abortion, or you're considering having one, whether you're single, married, divorced, black or white, male or female, heterosexual or struggling with same-sex attraction, you are welcome here. And the first hope of ours is that you would experience love and acceptance and the love of God. That would be your first step in connecting with God's church. There is a but... There is a but. That, but the first thing is so important. Religious people want to do it the other way around. <laughs> they want to thump you and then give you grace. We want to extend grace and then challenge you on the journey. That's what happens to Zacchaeus. I'm coming for lunch. Salvation comes. With a woman caught in adultery, he says, I do not condemn you, but go and sin no more. So there is a but. And if you come to Kings, there will be a but taught as well. Uh, but it hopefully will come in the context as, as acceptance and welcome up front. And that's why this has been such an important series for us. For those four reasons alone. It's like a foundational series for us. Now, two just points of application and uh, out the passage directly. And then 
We're going to worship together. We're going to sing that song as a part of a corporate response and each of us make our own declaration of putting Jesus central. The first is a moment of revelation. Jesus and his disciples went to the villages around Caesar, uh, Philippi, and on their way he asked them, who do people say I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? That's a good question, by the way. Let me ask you, who do you say I am? Who do you think Jesus is? I mean, is he the saviour of the world or isn't he? Um, Peter answers, he has a moment of revelation. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the anointed one. You are God's chosen suffering servant that has come to save the world. He, he kind of glimpses it and then in the next moment loses it. As I put it here, Peter goes from hero to zero in a breath. Yeah. He's like, you're the Christ. And then Jesus explains the salvation plan. Look, I've got to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be rejected by the religious leaders. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to suffer. I'm going to die. I'm going to uh, be risen again. And, and Peter says, wait, wait a minute, Jesus. Come over here. You don't want to be talking like that. And Jesus turns to him in front of everyone and says, get behind me, Satan. Wow. I, th- I like Peter. He's definitely an external thinker and speaker. He is definitely a Myers-Briggs. He's high on external. I like him. I can relate to that. He just sort of says it and it keeps getting him in trouble. And in one moment, he has a moment of revelation when he sees Jesus as the Messiah. Do you remember that moment you had that? Hold on to that moment. I remember that moment. Nearly every time I worship Jesus, I think there was a day when it became, it's like, yeah, it's real. I'm alive to God. Also, just be aware that sometimes when you have a spiritual high, and we, I've been in settings where pastors more experienced than me have taught this over the years, is be aware, guard yourself at a moment of breakthrough or success in any aspect of your life because you're vulnerable. You're vulnerable for the enemy to come in. You look at me, and God's with me. I'm highly aware of that in my own life at the moment. I'm sort of, ah, Steve, stay focused. Don't get carried away with yourself yeah because a moments of breakthrough is also great moments of vulnerability and jesus says to peter he says this you do not have in mind the concerns of god but merely human concerns and so what happens is he says to Peter, you're just you're missing the big picture here you're concerned about human things you're not concerned about god things oh I mean, this series, as we've gone through it, I'm sure at times we've sort of been torn between the challenge of, am I going to follow God and God's concerns, or am I going to follow my concerns? Because some of the teaching is, isn't just kind of theoretical. It, it drills down actually into your life. What a difference post-crucifixion and resurrection. The same Peter in Acts 5 stands up in front of the Sanhedrin when they challenge him and say, we told you strict instructions not to teach about the name of Jesus, he says, we must obey God, not human beings. We must obey God, not human beings. To me, some of the stuff we've teached through this series wouldn't go down well everywhere in our culture, would it? 
we would be seen as being not tolerant, uncaring, judgmental, hypocritical, a whole range of things. That's how our culture would project on us. But uh, both publicly and also, can I say, in your own walk, honour God before human concerns. That's what Peter does. He says we must obey God rather than human beings. What a journey Peter has been on. He's gone from, ah, revelation, but no, don't do that, Jesus, to actually we must obey God, whatever the consequences are. And that is a part of being a disciple of Jesus, following him. And I'm hoping that through this series that you've had to make choices that have recentered your life on God's best way for you rather than what the world might say or teach. And then lastly, if you're going to follow Jesus, it is costly following Jesus. Yeah? The rewards are high. In fact, the passage talks about, you know, you could gain the whole earth. You could have the world. You could have wealth beyond your wildest dreams, but you can lose your soul. Yeah? Better to be poor and going to heaven than to be rich and not, basically. That's what the passage is teaching. And it's contrasting the pleasures of this world with the kind of hope and promise of eternal life. But to follow Jesus does require, as Jesus says here, uh, at times you're going to have to deny yourself. And you're going to have to take up your cross. Now this is pretty counterculture. Because our culture teaches this. It's all about self-fulfillment. I mean, you know, be yourself, whatever your sexuality is. In fact, express yourself. As you do, you will find fulfillment. Um, it's all about your rights. Did you know that? Uh, rights. Uh, in fact, one of the, it's a good value, but it can be overplayed, the value of tolerance in our culture. We'll tolerate everything until you, you actually challenge something of a secular faith, which is what the Christian faith does. It challenges certain assumptions that our culture takes as read, and when you channel it, you, the culture is not always as tolerant as it, it says you should be to everyone else. It's, it's, it's bizarre, really. But if you signed up to following Jesus and someone preached the gospel to you that it's going to just be, it's just going to be sun every day, prosperity, 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 that is not the gospel as uh, I understand. I think these words uh, in, from Jesus himself make that crystal clear. There will be times when you have to deny yourself. There are times when you have to pick up your cross um, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you know this, that that was literally, to the original uh, readers, they knew what that meant. If you saw one, someone carrying a cross, which is what the Romans did. If you were being crucified, they literally, you'd carry the wood uh, uh, as a part of the shame, and they took you to your own crucifixion. So um, if you read this, you, you, you would know, oh right, so what Jesus is saying, if you're going to follow him, it means you're going to have to die. Now, in some places of the world, that is actually, that, that, you know, if you're in Nigeria or in the Middle East uh, or in the Indonesia, places like that, you know, Christians are, are, are dying for, on this. They're saying, oh, I'm going to follow Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there are tens of thousands of refugees that are flooding into Europe and uh, they're running for their lives because they're Christians. Yeah? 
And within the New Frontiers Family Churches, we have churches in Europe that are helping them and things like that. I, I'm not saying the issues are not complex, but, and we're fortunate, aren't we, that we live in a nation where we can come and worship freely here. Yeah? I'm not worried about being a pastor like I know an underground Chinese pastor who has his phone sort of taped and tracked. We haven't got that over us, have we? Um, our challenge is a little bit more subtle. But this series, the Follow Me series, finishes with uh, you know, a sobering moment that let's continue to choose Jesus. Let's continue to, when it's right, to deny ourselves, deny the, the pull of the flesh or the pull of the world and continue to put Jesus center stage. Let's get the band up. We're gonna, we've got five minutes. I'd love us to sing that song. And as we do it, I'd love to do it with real faith. Sing your heart out. Uh, and do it as a way of uh, expressing again that you want to put Jesus center in your life. Maybe you'll do it because you know there's an area of life that we've taught on through the series where you've had to make a tough choice. And you're just going to say again, no, I'm going to put you central. And once we've sung it through once, I'll come up and pray. And then just as we close, I'm going to give you an opportunity if you want to put your faith in Jesus for the first time. We'll do that and then we'll close. Let's stand together and sing. Jesus be the center.